Good morning, good morning. Can everybody hear me? Okay, okay, okay. Good morning, my name is Cynthia, and I have the privilege of serving on staff here at Church on the Rock. Welcome to those that are tuning in online. Um, you don't have the wrong channel. I'm the right person. I'm, I'm going to be like Pastor Derek was a few weeks ago and give a disclaimer. I'm not the lead pastor, so if you do not enjoy this, come back in a couple of weeks and you will hear him. So, uh, And I have the privilege of not having him in the building, so he cannot critique me live and in action. I can get it later. So um, thank you all for being here. You look great. Um, if you've been joining us for the past few weeks, we've been in a series called The Blueprint which is being real great. Has everybody, is, has anybody in here been through the whole thing yet? Okay, okay, good. If you have not, I would tell you to go back on, on YouTube or on our channel and check it out because you have missed some if you have not seen it. The first one, just to go through uh, a couple, uh, all of them, the first installment was your CO, the Certificate of Occupancy. And that was just saying how the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit abides in us. Um, and the part two was the foundation, laying the foundation of the pl blueprint. And that's basically our word. What are we built upon? What are we building our life upon? Uh, part three was identity, and that was Pastor Derek, talking about our identity in Christ. Not what you feel, not what culture says, not what people say, and not what society might want to say, but your identity in Christ. The part four was the storm warning. Is if anybody know if you're a Christian and you're a believer, storms are coming. If you're not in one right now, it is coming. So you have to be prepared. Power five was, can I have the keys? I love that because we have authority. We're not these weak believers that serving a sorry God and a small God. We're serving the only God, Jesus Christ, and we have authority in him. Part six today is minds, and we're going to be, my topic is spirit versus flesh. All right, spirit versus flesh. We have been coming from Matthew 16, 13 through 23. So I'm going to start off reading all up until we get to my point. So it's a quite a bit of scriptures, but they will be hopefully on the screen behind me. Matthew 16, 13 through 23. Let me pray first because I'm a little excited, Okay. Joe, I said it. All right, God, we thank you for this day, God. I thank you for everyone that made it in the building, God, on today. Those that may be on their way, God, uh, shield them, protect them, Lord Jesus. God, I should not let this be my words, my opinions, God, but let this be everything that you have for everyone in this house, God. Let them receive your words. Open up their hearts, God especially of the unbelievers, God, that they will hear you, God, that they will take hold of what you're saying. Not me, God, even though I'm dressed nice and I look nice, God, I think, God, let them see you when they see me. Let them hear you when they hear me. I love that song. God, I should have just let this day be all about you, that you would be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew 16, 13 through 23. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Verse 16 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And, also, and I also say to you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades what will not overpower it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on, will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised the third day. And this is where mine start. Verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. All right. Thank you for the reading of our scripture. Miss Marcy, I love you, and I always apologize because I'm very uh, speedy talk. Um, I love this. I want to go back to verse 22, though. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this would never happen to you. I just want to say, you know how sometimes we try to correct our friends, but this is Jesus, and he was rebuking Jesus. That is so funny to me when I read it and it really got in my brain. I'm like, how do you rebuke Jesus? Like, I can rebuke some people, and I feel like wrong even saying that word, but, like, he rebuked Jesus of all people. He seen him do miracles. He knew that he had to die. He knew it was necessary, but he rebuked Jesus. What a friend. What a friend. But, you know, in, in, in natural terms, it's so good to have friends, though, that can rebuke you and, and chastise you and, and discipline you. But this is Jesus. I don't know how many times I can say that name. Jesus, he rebukes Jesus. I love y'all too up there with those Jaguar uh, jerseys on. I'm sorry. That was just God I had seen y'all. Um, but he rebuked Jesus back to that. I was like, I literally laughed when I read this because I'm like, out of all people, all of the disciples that was around him doing crazy things came from crazy backgrounds. But Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, it's funny to me. You got to read your word to get the, the funniness out of it. Verse 23 says, Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns. How many times do we not think about God's concerns and we put ours above his? It's that spirit versus flesh type of thing. Like, God, I want to go to church today, but I want to get home and wash my car, and I want to go fishing, and, I, you know, all the great things. And I'm going to say this while I'm talking. I'm going to be like, Pastor Josh, do not hear what I'm not saying. It's great to take breaks and great to take family trips. And I'm going to take this earring off because it's clicking, and it's aggravating me. 
It's great to do family things, but we have to prioritize Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. Jesus over, I'm in a church, right? Jesus over everything. And that, and that seems to be hard for a lot of people these days and times because of culture and the new age church where you just do church on Sunday. I grew up in a church where we had one day off a week. And I think that was maybe like a, a Thursday. And that might have been choir rehearsal. But it was church, church, church. I'm not trying to go back there because it was a drain and it was like, I'm sick of it. But we literally just do this day, most people, and that's all we give him. Like, we have to have private time with Jesus. That's the most important time. Being with us is great, and you're supposed to assemble because that's what the Bible tells us. But that private time with him in your own study is the most important. Because you could come here in front of us and we think you like, you know, the best Christian in the world. But your kids like, she cussed us out at home. <laughs> like, he always like doing wrong at home. He cheats on my mom. Like, you know, the family know the real deal. So the private time, it reveals the outward time. Like, it's so important to have the private time with God. Jesus told him how blessed he was just a few scriptures before. And, and when I did my study, it said that God had just told Peter how blessed he was, maybe not even five minutes ago. It wasn't no days. It wasn't no weeks. It was like a few minutes ago that Jesus said in verse 17, Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, son of Jonah. It reminds me of me. Like, I'm a Christian, I'm living a life, but I get caught up in my flesh so many times. Anybody else? Okay, I was going to say, y'all are really holy. I, I really love it. I love it. But I get caught up in my flesh too many times that I'm like, God, help me. And my husband sometimes will be the Holy Spirit and be like, uh-uh. You know, he'll check me. But we have to check ourselves because one minute somebody can be like praising you and pushing you and oh, you did such a, oh my God, God bless you, we love you. And then you can be doing wrong the next minute or the wrong thought will come to your mind. And you might not even get it in your actions, but the Bible says even if it's in your, in your mind, in your heart, like that's a sin. Sometimes the wrong thoughts go through my mind. I thank God so much that mostly I have wrong thoughts and I don't walk them out. Thank God I don't let it get to that. Because that's when you know you really have separated yourself from Christ. When you're like, oh, that's a bad thought, but I'm going to walk it out. Like, no, God, stop this even in my mind. Protect my mind. That's even watch, which, what we watch is so important. What we consume is so important. It's coming to church on Sunday, and I think we give y'all 50 minutes or 55 minutes of worship, and then we give you a scripture too, and give you some points, and hopefully you're taking that and walking it out throughout the week, and prayerfully you're in a life group. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, I thought I was in the wrong house. Hopefully you're in a life group with like-minded believers because it's so important. Our relationships are everything. The most important relationship, though, is with the Father, with God. If that relationship is not good, you need to check that one first. But if you're with like-minded believers or people that's wanting the same things that you're wanting, it helps your relationship with Christ. It helps you grow deeper in Christ because they're most clients to be like, 
Hey, you, you lagging. Hey, you lacking. Hey, I see you need to do this better. Hey, I, I love you so much that I care about your soul. If we're not caring about people's soul, what are we doing here? Matthew 16 and 17, where I said, Jesus had just said, I, I love this version of it. It's the amplified version where Peter was just so blessed. Then Jesus answered, blessed, happy, spiritually secure, favored by God are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood, mortal man did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. This is because he's talking to the saints. He's not even talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to Christian believers that way we fall short. We fall short. And I think we tend to fall short more often when we have a, a gap in our relationship with Christ. When things are not lining up with him. When we're not doing more godly things. It shows up in your daily walk. In your daily conversation. And Peter happened to be a disciple walking hand in hand with Jesus day in and day out. He had Jesus right there. And he's living in our hearts daily and we do some disgusting things with him inside of us every day. And he's right there. I think it's harder for us to see it. When I look at the chosen, I can, it really brings it to life. And I love it because you get to see Jesus like actually walking out what the scriptures say daily. And it brings it to life to me. That he is walking with us just like he was with the disciples. And he's with each one of you. Like you go down one street, I go down the next one. He's with all of us. I'm in Palaika, he's with me. Some of you in St. Augustine, he's with you. He goes with you. When the lights go off, he's there. It's no place that you can hide from him. We always have to remember that. The reason that God told Peter that get thee behind me saying any attempt not to allow Jesus Christ to go to the cross was a problem. We wouldn't be here today if he didn't go to the cross for us. So it was definitely Satan. This wasn't Satan's first attempt to try to stop Jesus. If you remember him in the wilderness, he was in the wilderness and the devil came to him and tried to tempt him and told him, you, you can turn that rocket to bread. And, and he told him to get thee behind me, Satan. It was actually Satan. Then Satan was like, okay, he's not following for me. I'm going to let him use one of his own homeboys. Like, and that's how the devil do. If you look at your life, he will use the closest person to you to try to trip you up. That person that been walking with you and cheering you on, it was like, we're going to go to church together, and they say something that's not right. Are we quick to check our friends and be like, you know, that's not God? You know, are we doing that, or we just love them so much that we'll let them do wrong? Because this love thing in the world gets twisted, what love really is. Like, do you love your friends enough to tell them when they're veering off the right path? I think that's a self-check for all of us. My sister, she said something to me one time, and I think I shared this before, about I was the only person ever called her a concerned about her soul. She was like, I'm the only person she talks to that's concerned about her soul. Like, are you concerned about your friends' souls, your family members' souls? Like, it's fun, it's fun to have barbecues and cookouts and get some pork chops at friends' houses that's so good and look at football games and hang out. But what are, are you concerned about your friend's soul? Are you soul-checking people? This is the most important thing that a Christian believer can do. God is soon to return. 
And I know people like, I've heard that since my grandma, grandma, grandma said that. But you know what? I come to realize once you die, he don't return because there's no more getting it right for you. That is it for you. It's no second chance. This is your chance to get it right with Christ. I love that um, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 17, it says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of sin. If he would not have went to that Christ, to the cross, all of this would be useless. Nothing would be worth it. He had to go to the cross. Romans 14 and 13, it says, So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I thought this scripture was so important because sometimes we become stumbling blocks to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our family. Because they look at us as an example, and what are they seeing? A lot of times we have to self-check our lives to see, is spirit versus human, like spirit versus flesh, which one is winning when people see you? Do they see the spirit of God operating and working in your life, or do they see more human side, more human flesh? We'll never get rid of the human flesh until we go to heaven. So I'm not saying, like, you're never going to sin again. That's not possible. But are you living a life that represents Christ? I looked at this study uh, when I, we was talk, when I was uh, studying this, and it said a study was done that on an average, females speak around 5,000 words per day, whereas the average man speaks around 2,000. I really think that was a lie, and I think a man did that study, because my husband, I think, speaks 10,000. <laughs> but it was a study done that showed this, and I was like, what are you using your words for to lead people to Jesus or away from him. All of those words we speak in a day, what are your words leading people to do? Think about it. Because when I looked at the study, I was like, God, I talk a lot. And sometimes I don't want to, but you don't have to amen that. But I talk, <laughs> that's my family. I talk a lot, but... Am my words being glorified to God, or is it foolishness, or is it worthless? Are the words useless? What about, what about our words being used for? You think about that. Yourself in your day-to-day life, that you walk day in and day out, you get up in the morning. First thing I know people love to say, they get up and they have to say, thank you, Jesus, for waking me up. I'm not going to lie and say that's every time I get up, I say that. I, in my mind, I know he thinks, no, I'm saying it in my heart. But I don't just bounce out of bed. I'm not as holy as most might think. I say it throughout the day, though. But that's not the first thing I say as soon as I jump out of bed. Sometimes I'm like, oh, God, give me another hour. <laughs> that's my truth. <laughs> Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But these who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
that's, hard, that's deep and heavy. That's, I would be quiet, too, because I would be like, oh, my God. Those that are in the flesh, and that's not meaning your human body, because we're in human bodies, but spiritually speaking, we're in a spiritual war, y'all. It, it, uh, things that you cannot see. I, I, we, I have this thing that I say to Jonathan Davis all the time. Like, like two days ago or three days ago, I think I got a call from a mom nursing home and they had to rush her to the hospital because they found out she had COVID. She was vomiting all over the place and she could not catch her breath. So they had to send her out to the emergency room and I immediately thought about you, Jonathan. And I thought about like how the enemy tries to do all he can to stop what God has planned. He tried to do anything he can to stop what God has planned. So you might think, oh, I didn't get this job. I have not got this raise. I didn't get the money that I thought I was going to get. I, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what I'm going to do. The enemy is at work behind the scenes trying to cause confusion. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't care how he does it, he will try to do it. Because it's a spiritual war at hand. And if we're not prepared, if we're not following this blueprint that we're laying out for you, you will be destroyed. Because if your house is not built on a sure foundation, this is why we sung these songs. One said, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Christ needs to be magnified in you so others can see the glory of God work through you. He, they need to see it working through you. Because a lot of people not die in the doors of the church no more. They just see it in daily life. Yeah. And if you're the one example that somebody has to, to meet Christ, are they meeting him? If you're the one example that people have to meet Christ, are they meeting him when they see you? Are they meeting him when he, they talk to you? It's so important to remember that when we're living this life. I honestly live like that day after day. Like, God, I want you to be glorified in everything that I do, in every step that I make. Even when I'm aggravated, even when I have an attitude. I could get an attitude, y'all. Ice my husband. Like, I could get mad. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Charlie. I could get mad, and it's not God being glorified in that. But I have to remember this is not even about what, what looks like. This is the unseen, that the devil is trying to bring an attack. If he's not trying to attack your home or your marriage or your kids or your work or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to fill in, he will try to attack us because he wants us to work in the flesh. He wants us to operate in the flesh. One of my thoughts, um, I have three thoughts from my scripture and my study. The first one is godly relationships speak truth. Godly relationships speak truth. Proverbs 9 and 8 says, do not correct the scoffer who foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his error, or he will hate you. Correct the wise man who learns from his error, and he will love you. If you have friends and family and you correct them in love, it is a they should take it in love. People that are not operating in God and operating in flesh, they do not like to be corrected. Correction is good. Truth is good in a relationship, especially human to human. You cannot lie to God. That's the great thing about him. You can tell all the lies you want, 
Put on all the fronts you want, but Jesus knows. The Holy Spirit knows. God knows the real truth. Like, I tell people all the time, you take that church face off. Like, God knows. So, godly relationships speak truth. If you're in a friendship and you're not speaking truth, check your relationship. Point two, godly relationships offer sacrifice and commitment. John 15 and 13 says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Will you lay down your life for your friend? That is hard. When I read that, I was like, I don't know if I want to put that up there. Because I don't even know about my kids talking about a friend. (laughs) I need prayer. That's why I'm here. The lay down, that's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for each one of us. He laid it down. Do you have a friend that's like, what the people say, ride or die? You need that. If you don't have that friend, you might, you might want to check that. Number three, godly relationships should be selective. They should be selective. I, I, as soon as I wrote this, I thought, thought about my daughter, and she always say, every time I speak, I always talk about her, but she in my house and we always together. But Jade loves everybody. If she meet you in five minutes, y'all best friends. And I got to tell her all the time, everybody is not your best friend. Like, you've got to figure this thing out. Like, it says you have to be selective. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, a man of many companions may come in ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We have to be selective in our godly relationships and our godly friendships and friendships, period. Period. You got to be selective. You can't let everybody in. You can't let everybody in your circle. You have to be selective. And God is the best friend ever. But we do need human connection. We do need human relationships. Be selective, because a lot of times, when you talk to a lot of people that backslid or falling short, you can ask them, who are you hanging around now? Who do you associate with? And a lot of times, you can see it. You, you, you know right then, like, start joining a life group. I was trying to see how many more times I could add life group. <laughs> Join a life group. Get around godly-minded people. Like, this is why we do that, so we can do life together, literally. You have to be picky with the people you let in your circle to protect not not just yourself, but your spiritual life, your spiritual walk with God. And Jamie, if you could throw that picture up for me. All right, so so I I seen this picture. I was was laying in bed literally like last night, literally. And, And God gave me this picture of two identical homes And we're talking about the blueprint right now. So we're talking about building your house up from a firm foundation with the right foundation. And we're going through a lot of things. And it put me in mind of like you're building a home. You have to, you know, it's a process. Now, I'm not a a builder. You know, we have like Mr. Vance and Austin and uh, Logan and, and all these people that build stuff. But I'm not, but I've looked it up and it says new home construction normally has like around eight stages. Preparing the home site. And I thought about that's you and God wanting you from the beginning. From the beginning of time, he formed you in your mother's womb. 
He wanted you from the beginning of time. You have to pick out land first before you even start building. And he picked you. Whether you done picked him, he's picked you. Land the foundation is one of the next steps. Once you've answered the call to his word, his word builds a strong foundation. It's no way around not reading God's word to be a Christian. My, my, my daughter showed me a couple of weeks ago this TikTok of this girl. And on the TikTok, the man asked her, he was like, are you a Christian? And she said, yes, I'm a Christian. And he was like, so you believe the Bible? And she was like, oh, no, I don't believe the Bible. And I was like, but this is the culture we're living in. This is the times that we're living in. Like, you're a Christian, but you don't read the Bible. It doesn't go handy. It does not work. You have to read your word. It lays a good foundation, a strong foundation. One of the next steps is framing the house. This put me, um, made me think about representing who you surround yourself with. That's why life groups are important. <laughs> it's another time. I hope you count. Somebody counting. Yeah. It's who you surround yourself with. The framing. The framing is so important. Because who you surround yourself with is, is critical. It's so critical. The next step, installing HVAC, plumbing, and electrical. This is why you need a continual flow of water, which is the holy word cleansing and refreshing you daily. It cleanses you. It don't just make you feel good. It cuts you up. It gets stuff out that ain't supposed to be there. You have to have the word daily daily one of the next steps add an insulation this is God's word as well because it provides protection and we find shelter in Jesus the next step affixing the drywall which is used to create walls and ceilings it's it's also used to create many designs and features this would also be through God's word. We find out how to create healthy boundaries, and we find out how God has designed us. It's something about being a Christian and, like, coming to church and saying you're a Christian, but God got more for you. He has more for you, whether it's serving in the house, whether it's serving outside of this house, whether it's telling somebody your testimony, whether it's... It's so many ways that God has created you individually that God has a purpose for you. Do not let the enemy stop you at, I gave my heart to Christ and that's it. He has a work for you to do. The same way we were a sinner and an unbeliever and we were out there tearing down every bar, every club, everything that we can get to, to do all types of wrong and evil, God has a work for you on this side. So don't never let the enemy think like, oh, I'm a Christian and that's it. He has a work for you, a purpose for you. Like you and like you and you, all of you. He has purposes for you. One of the next steps is inserting the interior and the exterior finishes. This encompasses everything from flooring and wall defining the character of the building. This is what being around God's people do for you through his word, life groups, Sunday services, and daily godly living. It creates a godly character in us. So when things do happen and when storms do come, because they will come, we can handle them better. 
We won't be so quick to be taken and have cracks in our foundation. A lot of times we are not found, God have a healthy foundation in God's word and we have cracks in our foundation and the enemy get in those cracks and he make them bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know much about a house, but I know if you got cracks in your foundation, it's not gonna last long. I seen a commercial that you could call somebody in and they can squirt some stuff in there and maybe reseal it. And I'm assuming that's God's word. You can refuel yourself. You can refuel yourself. It's never too late. It can be cracks all over that place. But God can bring healing. God can bring peace. The last step, it says, completing the final inspection and walkthroughs. I see this as God constantly growing us and pushing us for more. That final walkthrough will be heaven. Me, hopefully. And hope us, hopefully. God has more to do for us. It's not one and done. This blueprint is not like one and done. But you see these beautiful homes? These beautiful homes, they look so beautiful on the outside. But I know we have a church family that was dealing with mold in their house. Like, sometimes this house over here, it can have mold in it. It can have termites in it. It can have a leak in it. But the outside look beautiful. But one thing about God's word, he get beyond this. I might be dressed up and look clean today, but I have a heart. And sometimes it can be filthy. But you see this. You see this white shirt. You see these white, crisp, black and white shoes. But I could be filthy inside. And this is what the word of God does. This is what hopefully this blueprint is doing for you. Framing you, rebuilding you, remaking you, and letting you know I could get into God's word and he can make me new. That's what we want for you. So you say, okay, about all of that, what about all of that? And you might be like, I'm in a place that I, I don't even know who this Jesus is you talking about. I have no relationship with him. Or you could be like, I, I knew him, but I walked away. Or you could be that person that say, I'm a believer, but I know that my spirit life needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be reframed. And I need some work done. I need a handyman. And that handyman is Jesus. It's so many times that we go lacking in our spiritual walk. And a lot of times it's us. We can't blame nobody but us because of our choices. Like, what choices have you made where somebody's like, hey, can you come serve at the church? No, I'm busy. Can you come serve at the church? No, I got a busy schedule. I'm working. Can you come help us feed the needed? No, I'm doing this. Like, we put so many things above Christ. And not saying that everything that we do here you need to be involved in, but you need to be involved in something to do with Jesus. But it's, it's better if you're here. I think so. Especially if you call this church home. It's better when you hear. Excuses. Prioritize Jesus over everything and see how your life do. See how your life gets better. And, and because I'm saying that, you might start serving. You might start like digging in and the enemy might start attacking you even more. But you know what's great? That firm foundation in his word will not shake you. It will not allow you to be shaken and moved away from God's word. We have to have a firm foundation in his word because hard times will come. Bad days will come. Bad relationships will happen. 
Divorce will happen. Kids acting crazy going to happen. Losing jobs going to happen. Death will happen. But what about God and his word? Because he went on the cross for us. Like, that's, that's mind-blowing to me that he decided to go on the cross for us, to be crucified for us, just for me. And you're supposed to take that personal just for you. He chose you. So, church, you know how we do it around here. We say this prayer, but we all say it together. So the person that's saying it for the first time can go, say it boldly and not feel embarrassed or ashamed. But I should have closed your eyes and bow your head. God, you know that person in here that may be thinking about a relationship with you. I don't know what to do, God. That's searching. That's looking in all the wrong places, God. I should have touched their heart. You know who they are, where they are. They could be even online, God. I ask you to touch the heart of your kids, of your, your, your kingdom. God, you know I have no clue who they are, God. God, but bring us back to you, God. Bring us back to your heart, God. Bring us back to chasing after the things of you, God. That we prioritize you over everything. That we allow you to come into our hearts and do the building that we let you lay the blueprint out in our hearts, God. God, be with us, God. Those that you're chasing after, God, allow them to surrender, God. Allow them to open up their hearts to you, God. If that's you and you like, I do want to know more about him, with your eyes still closed and your heads bowed, you could just say this simple prayer. This prayer is nothing if it's not coming from your heart. You have to believe. So if you're saying this prayer, we're going to all say it with you to say it boldly together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am is yours. God, I surrender my life to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If that was you, give it up for whoever that was. Now, church, what we're going to do is worship together, but those that decided to make Christ their Lord and Savior, I challenge you to come down, worship, or either we have our prayer room open off to the side. You'll just come up to the front and come up the stairs. And those that want to touch and agree with somebody for anything, if you gave your life to Christ, if you just need somebody to pray with you about your relationships, come and have prayer. Come and worship up front. Enjoy the worship time.